to the Utah Women in Leadership podcast. Today we're going to be talking about a new report we just published through the Utah Women in Leadership project titled Perceptions of Gender Bias in the Utah Workplace. I'm Dr. Susan Madsen, the Karen Haidt Huntsman Endowed Professor of Leadership in the John M. Huntsman School of Business at Utah State University, and I'm also the founding director of the Utah Women in Leadership Project. And today I'm here with two guests. First, the author of this report, Dr. Helen Nags, Vice President of Research and Development for New Skin Enterprises. And Helen's also a research fellow for the Utah Women in Leadership Project. And then Dr. Emily Swenson Darrowski, the Associate Director of the Utah Women in Leadership Project. Welcome to both of you today. Thanks, Susan. Thank you, Susan. It's a pleasure to be here. So I had, the first question I wanted to ask both of you. I've had many people ask me why I personally talk about gender bias so much. So I would love to hear from both of you about why these biases, why talking about gender biases and challenges are really so important to study about and talk about. Helen, why don't you start? Oh, gosh, Susan, that's a great, really great question. Thank you. Um, for me, you know, I've had a career that's been over 30 years now. And, and I'm a scientist, so I, I've been working in predominantly male-dominated industries, and I've worked for several countries. I've worked in Asia, I've worked in Europe, and now here in Utah. And I, I do observe these differences in sort of men and women in the workplace, both in their behavior, how they tackle problems, how they solve things, um, and also just in how they're treated, too, in the workplace. And it I've noticed throughout my career as well, that as you get higher up in leadership in companies, that um, gender difference becomes even more striking. And so it's it's sort of my observations over the, my entire career that have led me to really um, get interested in this topic. Thank you so much, Emily. Any comments? So my background is in cognitive psychology, which is studying how humans process information. And one of the things we know as cognitive psychologists that so much happens outside of our, um, our attention. So in that sense, connecting to gender bias, so much of what's happening in the workplace is unconscious. We, it's automatic. We don't know that we're exhibiting these patterns or behaviors that are, are perhaps disadvantaging one gender over the other. So we have to study it to understand what's really happening. Thank you. And Emily, keep keep talking and mention, what. how do you define gender bias? So gender bias is when we, in the workplace or, or anywhere really, we're seeing that there are various barriers embedded in culture or through culture or through you know, socialized behavior that disadvantages women. And it can, this can be overtly like with direct harassment, or it could be covertly, which is more when this unconscious stuff that I was just talking about, where there are policies or practices that inadvertently are benefiting men more than they are benefiting women. Thank you so much. And Helen, over to you specifically, tell us more about why you thought this topic, specifically in your research, comparing men to women, understanding those gender biases was particularly interesting for the state of Utah. Yeah, I I think you know, to, to build off what Emily was saying, 
I, I noticed in my early days that you could see differences in gender in the workforce that was more, um, more overt, more apparent. And workplaces have, have implemented a lot of really nice HR policies so that you, know, you see less of that, but it's almost going underground. I think yes. a, a researcher, a, Amy Deal, that I was um, basing this work on, who talks about these uh, biases going underground. And so it was it was that that I really wanted to drill down at and the differences between uh, men and women on these sort of less uh, apparent situations and biases. Th- thank you, Helen. And, and just so the listeners know, Helen and I and my husband, Greg Matson, who did some research on this too, really connected before you even started the research on on how to frame this more broad, you know, study in the state of Utah in ways that could be helpful. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I know from the research is that women generally understand, not all women, right? Women generally understand their own barriers and challenges more than men. It's hard for men to understand the experiences of women. And should I say the opposite is true too? Um, You know, it's hard for women to understand some of the the issues or challenges that men have. And so that was one reason we wanted to highlight this is to see what are men seeing that maybe women see a lot and men aren't seeing as much or what are they seeing that are more equal? And that's what we'll talk about today. So so both of you, Emily, let's go over to you. Talk about some of the differences by gender or similarities that this study actually found? Why don't you start and then Helen can jump in and talk about some more. In just a little bit of context to help our listeners understand that both men and women were given a survey and asked different questions and rated them. And women were asked, how much do you perceive a particular kind of bias occurring? And men were asked how much they perceive women experiencing it. So they were all rating the extent to which women experience bias. And so higher statistical means meant that women were perceiving more bias than men. So that just to lay the groundwork. So what we found is that largely women's um, averages were higher than men's, which is to be expected, right? We're seeing that women are recognizing these biases, that they're experiencing more than men are perceiving them, which if they're happening to you personally, of course, you're going to notice them more. So Helen, tell us a little bit about, there were six main categories with areas within each. Um, And you had about 100, is that correct? About 100 people respond to this survey. Is that correct? More women than men, though. Yes, we got, so we, it was just over a hundred. It was about uh, 110 and, and we did, it was about two thirds women and a third men that responded all Great. from the state of Utah. So in workplaces within Utah. Great. So I'm going to have you, Helen, talk about that first of six categories, which is male privilege. And there were three areas within that, but talk a little bit about the results that we found in the male privilege section. Yes, so if we look at these gender biases, they're grouped into six main big categories and then down into subcategories. So male privilege is comprised of something called glass clip, something called male culture, and then a two-person career structure. 
So last cliff means where women are put in a position in the workplace where they're likely to fail or they're given a leadership role with a high risk of failure. Um, and what we saw for this is that women strongly agreed or agreed that this was the case, but men scored the exact opposite, saying that women had not been given leadership roles with a high risk of failure. So they were strongly disagreeing or somewhat disagreeing with that statement. They just weren't seeing that when women could see that possibility more. And the male culture one, let's talk about that one. Um, because I think that one's fascinating as well. Yes, so there's several statements that comprise male culture. And these are, in my organization, we have pressure to conform to gender stereotypes. People assume that top leaders will be men in my organization. It's assumed that key decisions are made by men. And there's also a boys club mentality present. Again, for these statements, we saw that the women were predominantly strongly agreeing or somewhat agreeing, whilst the men strongly disagreed or somewhat disagreed with those statements. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, we don't have time to go through all of them, but Emily, I would like to have you talk about the disproportionate constraints, because there were some differences uh, definitely there in a few of those areas. So for women in disproportionate constraints, they were in particular talking about communication and how they differed in their perception there. So women felt like they had to be careful about how they said things or when they spoke up and, and shared their ideas and so forth. And men did not perceive that women had that kind of constraint on them. The other one I want you to... Um really talk about for just a second, because there's some interesting dynamics on that one, and that is constrained career. So Those were much closer, like between the men and women, they perceive. So tell us what that is. Yes, I, this one was one of the things that was really kind of fascinating to me. So constrained career choices, that was kind of asking, did you feel like you chose a, a major in college or a career path that was more kind of stereotypical female as opposed to male. And in this case, the men and women responded fairly similarly. And in fact, the men said that they perceived a little bit more bias and maybe women were more constrained in what they chose, but women were more um, slightly more likely to say, yeah, no, we, I chose what I wanted to choose. Well, that that to me makes sense because uh, what what I've seen in this research and other studies is is I'm just going to be blunt here. When you can blame women for things, the men typically understand that, um, and so they're saying, "No, women are making those choices," and women are saying, "Is this making sense?" So that's what we're seeing in some of the other research as well. And then the last one had a big gap as well, and that uh, under that disproportionate constraints, and that was unequal standards, and of course. Uh, women saw unequal standards so much more than men. And then, uh, Helen, over to you. Um, the insufficient support, that was interesting, right? Um, and that one really had lack of mentorship, lack of sponsorship, being excluded from things. What are a couple of things that stuck out in that group? So, yes, Susan, um, this is really about how do we help women currently in the workforce? I mean, these are things that could be quite easily provided 
in today's in today's workplace, right? So it's things about making sure that women are included in all social events and in all meetings and they're given equal opportunities to participate. Um, it also talks about uh, mentoring and sponsorship. So um, mentoring is they have a female role model to look after. And you know, for me in my career, I would have loved a female role model. Um, that, that would have helped me so much. But um, you know, what women are saying um, is that they these things are lacking um, and that they could be opportunities today for us to improve um, and make some easy adjustments for women. And they do feel women feel excluded much more than men see that women feel <laughs> excluded or that women are excluded as well. So, so I'm not going to go into the section where we've talked about three of those six main chunks of sections. I don't want to go into the one on hostility, but, but generally that looked at the queen bee and, and harassment and there were issues there, but they were a little bit closer um, that men and women uh, saw some of those, but I, really found um, the acquiescence so interesting as well. And that one was interesting. And it was on women self-silencing or self-limiting. And again, that's one where men and women were pretty equal. But again, that's one that that you can say, well, it's women's choice to self-silence. It's women's choice to limit themselves. And Emily, any thoughts about that one that stuck out as you were um, thinking about that research, reading through that. I was happy to see in this case that there weren't gender differences in the acquiescence category. So, and, and the means, the averages were pretty low. So their women and men are disagreeing um, for the most part that this is happening. So women are feeling like they aren't limiting themselves, that they're not silencing themselves, and women, and men perceive that similarly as well. We all have different perspectives of that research. Helen, anything there that you wanted to jump in and talk about? Well, I, I think that um, it was fascinating to me when I got this data back to see where there were big differences in men and women and where there were fewer differences, you know, where men and women had the same perception of the workplace. And I, I, I never expected that, you know, going into this. And it's it's interesting to see that, you know, male privilege stands out where you see there are those huge differences. But things like, as you pointed out, acquiescence, where women are speaking up, they're self-promoting. We are seeing um, closer um, recognition of, of men um, and men are more aware that this is happening in the workplace. And, and sometimes the results, back to what Emily said, sometimes it can be that women are less aware because sometimes the women that, that we get to answer the surveys are women that have that voice already and so forth. So it's hard. We have to put that as a limitation as well. Helen, did it surprise you? Um, it didn't surprise me, but did it surprise you there was such a big gap between salary and equity? Maybe I maybe not. I I would like to think that in today's workplace we're getting that gap closed in. And I know that uh, you know organizations are looking at addressing that and really targeting those pay areas. So it, it was a bit surprising that it was still so big, but I would like to 
I'd like to think that, you know, things that we're putting in place today in organizations are closing that gap. Yeah, thank you. And this one, importantly for women, this was the highest one of anything that they they said, yes, uh, there is salary inequity, um, inequality in the workplace, and significantly less men said that as well. Emily, any thoughts? I wanted to jump in and say that I think that this matches what we're seeing in Utah. Like we know that Utah has a much bigger pay gap than the nation does. We're closer to 30%. The nation is closer to 20%. So uh, for me, seeing this gap was like, okay, women are seeing this and men aren't. And and that's a discrepancy that we need to pay attention to. That's great. Uh, A great comment, Emily. And just to refer listeners, uh, Emily was the co-author of a report, oh, it's been a year, maybe two now, that updated where we're at in Utah on the wage gap and so forth. So there are some uh, research and resources out there on uh, ways to close that gap. And I do agree, Helen, that we're hearing of more organizations trying to jump in and do things about this, not not all, of course. Um, and then one last thing here, and I'll, I'll go to some business practice question. There was a quite a gap, although it wasn't, the gap was big, but for women, it was right around the midpoint on lack of acknowledgement. That women, some women in the study didn't feel lack of acknowledgement. Some are saying, yeah, I see it. Not as big of a problem, but men are not seeing that much. Helen, any comments about that? Well, this one might be my favorite one, actually, because it it speaks to things about being interrupted by men, you know, and and I think women are probably really aware of that. Um, And it's also about, you know, women having an idea and then nobody listens. And then a guy will have the same idea and then suddenly everybody pays attention. So I I think there was a difference there. And, um, you know, it's it's giving us some, you know, some metrics around how how big that difference is in the workplace, you know, that it is something that we need to perhaps just create more awareness about in meetings um, that this is happening so that we can we can really look out and address that you know may, maybe women um having other women that help them and support them and draw attention to their ideas and draw attention to when they speak as well thank you and we have um there's a great book by Sally Helgeson um called how women rise she talks about that some somewhat and we have a video where uh, a webinar on our website that talks about that as well so thank you for bringing that up any any final thoughts on that emily i wanted to jump in with a little story that i was reading about the other day so i don't know if you've read the book lessons in chemistry by bonnie garmus it's a fabulous book it's about a woman in the 1960s who's Um, you know, working in a male-dominated industry. But the author, Bonnie, talks about how she was doing a pitch in in her career, and she gave this presentation, and afterwards, just silence. And then a man jumps in and says, it basically regurgitates her pitch, right? And it's literally sitting on the slide behind her in the room. And then everyone joins, you know, oh, that's such a great idea. She gets no credit. And she just said that was part of the inspiration for writing this book. Oh, 
Thank you so much. I hear this. Yeah. Helen, the things that you were talking about, I hear this almost mm-hmm. every day from yeah. different women. Uh, we're coming up on a, a close of the, of the podcast time, but I have a couple of other questions. So we'll move through these quickly. Helen, give us a couple of the findings. What are the overall findings by age? There were a few differences there. Oh, yes. So we did split out the data by age. And what we found was that for most of the um, statements that were asked, men and women in the youngest age group had significantly lower scores compared to individuals that were falling around 41 to 50 years old. It's difficult to say from the research sort of what what that's indicating or, or sort of what that means. It could suggest that because younger individuals have more recently joined the workforce, um, they haven't observed or experienced all aspects of gender bias because they, they just haven't been working long enough. It might also mean that the younger workforce is beginning to um, sort of have a different work, work climate and that we are beginning to see some um, changes made and that uh, gender bias is becoming less apparent um, in, in modern day and younger demographics. Thank you. Emily, talk very quickly about the difference by religion. We we didn't have enough uh, in Helen's study. You didn't have enough, Helen, to, to divide by all religions, right? But what did we find, Emily? We were able to look at religion and compare those who kind of did not have a religious affiliation to those who either were affiliated with the Catholic Church or the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And we found that the religious group scored lower, meaning they had lower perceptions of bias occurring. And this was across both males and females. So we're just seeing that uh, religion may be associated with not you know, understanding or quite having the, the same level of awareness of bias. Yeah, that's that's similar to some other studies that we found in Utah specifically about religious cultures, just not not being aware or not believing that it matters or some different things like that. So time to conclude, but I want to get to the takeaways. So what are some of the things that Utah businesses can implement based on the research that we found that might help women thrive in the workplace even more? Uh, Helen, let's have you start. Yeah, and that that was the reason why I was so um, you know interested in doing this work, because it creates awareness. And I don't think that there was awareness or a baseline of understanding around how women and men perceive the same situations in the workplace. And that's what this created. And I believe that from that awareness, we can now start to educate. We can start to build conversations around this and awareness can help address some of these issues. There are things that we can really quickly um, change, for example, providing female mentors, helping sponsor, just being more apparent in meetings when women voice ideas. And there are some things that we'll need to work on over the long term. So I I think there's, you know, that awareness has both short term and long term um, interventions that we could um, that we can practice in the workplace. Thank you so much. Emily, any final thoughts? I hope that this research helps both men and women just be willing to be open-minded. And if someone expresses that they're experiencing the workplace in a, in a more negative way or in a more challenging way that we believe them and that we ask, okay, well, what, 
what are the practices, policies, the overt things? What are some subtle things in the way we, we behave or we talk to each other that may be contributing to these differences and that we work to eliminating them? Thank you so much. So for those of you that would like to get to this report and read it, which I would really recommend, it's got some good graphs and good information, just go to our website at utwomen.org. Under the research, you can go to briefs and, and it will be right now um, in the top of those research reports. Helen and Emily, thank you for taking the time to join me today on this podcast episode hosted by the Utah Women in Leadership Project at Utah State University in partnership with Utah Public Radio, USU Extension, and the John M. Huntsman School of Business. And thanks to Nick Pora for his technical support. The Utah Women in Leadership Project's core mission is to strengthen the impact of Utah girls and women. To learn more about our research, resources, and events, please visit us at utwomen.org. Thank you. Thank you.